Welcome to Blood and Spirit, the podcast for Black families evolving. I'm your host, Njamele Ali, and my guest today is Femi Anderson. Femi and her twin sister, Bumi, are the co-founders of the Renaissance Connection. And Femi is the leader of Renaissance Art Cafe in downtown Albany, a place to share art and laughter through paint parties, art exhibitions, book signings, and more. The Renaissance is a one-stop center for indie art and all things creative in Albany. Welcome to Blood and Spirit Podcast, Femi. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time out. I know you have a whole lot of things on your schedule. Busy people in Albany have so many <laughs> hats. You know, yes. I talk to folks who, who just, I, I just don't know how they get so much done in a single day. <laughs> but before we get started, um, I'd like to ask you, like I asked my other guests, uh, what is your favorite non-alcoholic drink? I'm going to say this is going to be funny. I love Premier Protein Shakes. Get out. And I drink them every day. Premier protein shakes and what what's in there that that's so tasty? Oh uh, well, actually, I probably about two years now I had a procedure and it required me to be able to lose weight, which I have been doing for a while now, trying to keep it up. And one of the requirements was to make sure my protein level was pretty much at a, a certain amount. Mm -hmm. And one of the recommendations was okay, get your good protein shake. You can use it as a um, meal supplement. Sometimes you don't want to eat a full meal. And I started drinking them, and at first I thought, oh, these are horrible. But as I started drinking them more, I started mm -hmm. liking them. Wow. So now I, I probably was I'm a little addicted because I normally don't go a day or so without one. So That's good. <laughs> That's good. And so well, how much protein is in like an eight ounce? Uh, Actually, the container I have has 30 um, 30 grams. grams. Mm -hmm. That's 30 a lot. Grams, That's yeah. like one third of a, of a serving. Right. Day, right. Yeah. And so that's why I normally do one a day. So in case I do chicken or something else mm -hmm. that has a lot of protein, it won't be too much because uh, too much can be damaging too. So Exactly. Well, that's awesome. So your favorite drink is something that's healthy. We, this time. Now this you ask time. me in another two weeks, it may be something different. Okay. <laughs> so it changes. Yeah. Well, that's consistent. But I have these little spurts. I like. I drink water. I'm not a big water fan, but I get these uh, chance, these opportunities to drink it. So I try to drink as much as I can. But I'm also a sweet tea lover, and I have uh -huh. to stay away because I have to. I'm, I'm a diabetic, but I maintain. I don't take medicine, so I have to maintain um, mm -hmm. being healthy through what I eat. Absolutely. And uh, and I just stay away from places I know I love this sweet tea. So, mm -hmm. but that's mm -hmm. one of my. Downs. Have you tried some of the herbal ones? Herbal. Teas? I have. I've tried, and actually, I tried. Um, I was getting into green tea. Uh, I try not to, to actually drink the ones that are in the bottle. You mm -hmm. know, the processed kind, because they actually have more carbs than regular tea, which I think that that's kind of strange. Um, but I haven't really gotten into um, herbal tea as much as I wanted to. Well, when you when you venture out, mm -hmm. try uh, hibiscus. Okay. Um, okay. And it it's so great because what the other things that you add to it mm -hmm. makes it. I mean, just gives it such a pop. Okay. And it's so fresh. Okay. And if you add it with ginger, it'll mm -hmm. help uh, keep your um, keep your blood pressure down. Okay. Keep, your, bank, keep your um, yeah. circulation in good shape. And um, hibiscus and ginger work really, really well together. Okay. And the other day, I I just, you know, I just wanted something cool and refreshing. Mm -hmm. so I made a cup of tea. It was still hot. I didn't want it hot that mm -hmm. day. I wanted it cold. So I just added um, some ginger tea that was already in the refrigerator that okay. I had made previously. And some pomegranate juice. Oh, oh my okay. goodness. That was 
that was awesome. Okay, that was inspired. Try that. <laughs> yeah, I like I like things that are refreshing, and I, of course I have to watch my carb intake and all that. So, well, you know, you're saying that um, that you have diabetes or, or whatever, but you are also so energetic. I try to be. Yeah, you are an energetic <laughs> magnet. You know, where does all that come from? Where does all that energy come from? You know what? I, the biggest thing I think for me is stay, when I stay busy, when I'm doing stuff, it's hard for me to not, you know, thinking about what else I'm going to be doing. Uh, even at night, I have to just close my brain because I could be in the middle of sleep and come up with an idea and pop up and like, wow. Uh, and and it's, it becomes tiresome because. Sometimes I can't go back to sleep. And then it's like the alarm clock is going off for me to go to work. So uh, I'm grateful for the energy. I was uh, I was anemic for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then I finally got past that because that was totally zap your energy because you don't have enough iron intake. And ever since then, since I've had, I've been able to go, go, go. But when it's time to turn, you know, turn it in, mm-hmm. I will, I've been at the computer working and have literally went to sleep. Wow. So that's my, my body as I've gotten older. I used to, uh, I don't think I shared this with you. I did video production some years back and I would be up working on a video because you know, a 30 second commercial does not take 30 seconds. Yes. And I would be working and I could stay up all night and work. I and I relate. was in my twenties and early thirties. Now I'm in my mid forties and I can't dream. I can dream about doing it. I will literally go to sleep. So now my body is telling me, okay, you've had fun for the day. Time to take a rest. So uh, I'm energetic when I'm good, but most times people can tell when I'm tired because they're they're like, you you don't seem to be your peppy self. I'm thinking, Mm -hmm. I'm tired. But you you know how to turn it off and make it. I'm trying. I've had to learn how to do it. And my happy place is the beach. Okay. So anytime I can go to the beach, I, that's that's where I dream of going up all the time. Uh, so if I can plan me a trip, you know, even if it's months away, as long as I know I'm going, mm-hmm. uh, it makes me feel better. So I think that's what kind of gets me through. You know, everybody said, well, you got the Flint right next to you. I'm thinking that's not the same. That's not the same. <laughs> I mean, rivers are lovely and the, yeah. and the Flint is lovely. I love walking up and down the Flint, but it's not a beach. Yeah, it's not a beach. No. It's a whole different thing. <laughs> so when did you discover your artistic ability? Oh, wow. Uh, let's see. We were, me and my twin sister, we were very young. Um, and we, of course, in elementary school and uh, even kindergarten, you would always have to do these little cards and little stuff for your parents to take home. I know they were probably more or less, you know, time for the teacher to relax and you just, you know, make your little mess. But I would always do creative stuff you know my tree really looks like a tree mm-hmm. and stuff like that so they noticed the early so she can draw and she can do this and she can do that and um i would you know do little things and take them home uh to my mom and also to our parents they were very culturally advanced mm-hmm. um they are civil rights civil rights workers so uh, we had a very diverse group of people that came from all over the country they would come to albany uh, that worked in the movement and they were uh, poets and artists and photographers, uh, people that did sculptures. I mean, we, those are the kind of people we hung around. Fantastic. So they would always have us little stuff. We had a potter's wheel when we were very oh. young. So we mm. learned how to do clay when we were, my sisters hated it, but I thought, Oh, this is so much fun. So mm-hmm. we did that as children and we were always in a uh, art camps and we were young 
And uh, so we were always involved with arts, even as Wonderful. small children. We didn't have a choice back mm -hmm. then. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think if anybody knows me and my sister, we love jazz music. Now, we didn't start out liking it. We thought it was just a bunch of noise. Mm -hmm. uh, but our parents, jazz lovers. I mean, I, I knew jazz musicians just like people would know, you know, Michael Jackson and all these other people okay. because we had, to, we had to listen to it. We didn't mm -hmm. have a choice. Mm -hmm. But I grew to love it. So, What are your parents' names? My father' name is Edward Anderson, and he's actually from Newton, but he grew up in Moultrie. And my mom' name is Willa May Hall, and she grew up in uh, Warwick, Georgia. Okay. And Mr. Anderson, is he the um, Anderson who was the head of the movement? The no, movement? you were talking about William Anderson. Okay. And most people always say that. Are you William Anderson's children? My father actually was a master printer. He ran the printing company on Monroe Street. Okay. Uh, so that's where we kind of get our, I guess, graphic and art background for his printing. Uh, and that's what he did. He did the signs for when they protest. Uh, they did um, newsletters to get the word out about voters registration or any type of event that was going on. So that was his job. His job was to get, get the word get out. The word so, because you know, you didn't have social media back Absolutely. then. Uh, so, and that was our love. I think that was our love for print. And my mom, she used to do the, she's a graphic artist. So she used to do the layouts and, and we pretty much lived at the printing company because mm -hmm. we didn't have a babysitter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so mm -hmm. we would be at the printing company working with them. And, uh, and I, I think I knew how to say collate. Probably why I put that by the time wow. I turned four years old. That's awesome. I might not knew what collate mean, but that was one of the things we had to learn how to do. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so you know, you said on your uh, your little uh, statement on your Facebook page says living art. Yes. Okay. And so you've been living art, you know, yes. like throughout your life. I have. Um, and the funny part is, I remember getting ready to decide on what I was going to do in college, and my sister, she was already. She's a writer, so she was trying to decide, do I want to go in politics? Do I want to be an English teacher? She took, she got a political science degree. And I was debating, like, should I even go into art? So can somebody ask, teach me stuff? I probably would know how to do this already. And uh, my mom was like, you know, if that's what you like doing, that's probably what you need to do. Because if you go into something else and it's mutable, because I'm not a numbers person, so I knew it was not going to be a mathematician. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I'm not in the science, so I knew when was going to try to, you know, graduate and, and be a biologist. So I decided to go into art. And only thing I regret is I didn't take business courses. Mm -hmm. I wish I would have done that uh, with to go with what um, what what I was knowing at the time because that to me would have benefited me much more um, as far as having a business and knowing how to get stuff done and not letting people cheat you and all that kind of stuff. Well, I, I think that um, the, the modern um, learning economy mm -hmm. that's developing right now that, that um, YouTube sort of pioneered by right. making so much information available for free. The classes that you get, that you just go in and get the specific thing that you need, are much more effective than um, than a degree in business. That's mm, just my okay. opinion. And I, I can see and that. And I'm saying that from the point of view of a student who's not really into business, mm -hmm. but is enrolled in Albany State University's okay. business, master in business program. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> and, and you know what? And I think that's probably true because of the fact that to me, you know, a, a lot of these classes... Some of it is what theory based. You just find a whole bunch of information. It's like, okay, do I really need to know about 
history this and history that just give me let me find out what i need to know so right. i right yeah and you it. know i i do i love to learn i mean i love information right and so as far as information goes mm -hmm. it's i appreciate it but when it comes down to actually applying that right um i'm i haven't found it to be like on point mm -hmm. as 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 much as some of the courses that you can take say in a mastermind course right or um have a specific question and go to youtube or go to go to a course search it find it get mm -hmm. the information and get to running right you right. know I, yeah. that's, that's, i'm i'm a hands-on person too so i get I, even with me given have, getting my four-year degree i look back and thought okay i went to albany tech after i went to albany state and got my pre-press graphic degree then i thought well i could have just went to albany tech first and then maybe went to albany state to do the fine arts because it's more about that was more about paper saying okay mm -hmm. i got my degree mm -hmm. but albany tech was more hands-on right and i got to do what i could probably have read somewhere else. we physically had to do it mm -hmm. so and that's what i encourage people to do now i tell people you don't necessarily have to go to a four-year college you need to go somewhere where number one you need to learn a trade if you have no idea what you want to do or you need to find specific information that needs to be taught to you hands on. Right. So you don't have to go through this whole process of, I got to get a four year degree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and then be underemployed. After yeah. You come out. Yeah. You know? And that's the, yeah. And that's the sad part. And that's why I try to tell me as an artist, the first thing people said when I started going off in the state is, well, what you going to do? You're going to teach. And my mom was either saying, you need to go and get your certification. And I thought, no, I'm going to do something with art. And she's looking at me like, okay good luck because mm -hmm. she had art friends she had friends who were artists and they did okay mm -hmm. uh but they still eventually had to go get a regular job and do their art on the side and stuff so and um, i want to talk about that you know in fact um i want to i want to find out from you what do you think about um the arts education and development opportunities that are in albany um i think it's growing uh, and you know one of the things i try to i talk to albany state students quite often and Albany Tech because I teach photography at Albany Tech. Uh, I'm not teaching right now, but I taught in 2017 and 2018. I'm getting ready to start back in fall. And that's the first thing I asked the students when I started teaching, you know, because they went to photography program, someone design program. And okay, I said, what you going to do? I mean, you getting this, you know, diploma, certification, whatever they were getting. So what you going to do with it? You know, and they would all look kind of, you know, around the room like, is she talking to me? And, you know, and I would tell them, okay, you're getting that, but you got to, it's got to be for something else. It can't be just you saying I got a, right, a certification. So I always try to get them to thinking first. So, you know, people tell me you can't make money in art. And then they come to the Renaissance Art Cafe and they go, oh, okay, <laughs> I didn't think about this. Or, and not to say I'm expecting everybody to run out and, and start doing paint parties, even though we've had an a influx of people doing it. Um, but this is another way you can, I mean, you don't even have to do, you know, canvas paint. You can do drawings, you can do all kinds of different stuff. So mm -hmm. it's whatever you love doing, you can show that to somebody else. And do it. But I think the biggest problem with most, I've seen with most young people, um, is that they don't think, in it, you know, yeah, it's like, it's, and it's, to me, it's a part of critical thinking too. You got to be thinking, okay, what am I going to do past this point? Because right. um, I went to Albany State graduation, the first thing I thought when I graduated, I remember the day I graduated, and I was all ready and 
you know, but I had to turn around and get a job because at the time I had no clue what I was going to be doing. I was just glad to graduate. Right. And then I thought, okay, if it was me, their age now, what would I say to myself? And some of the stuff I said to them was, okay, go ahead and start. You should have already planned, but if you hadn't, start planning today. So you won't be depressed two weeks from now when you got this degree and you're not doing anything. Because mm-hmm. that's how kind of how I was. And then if you had student loans, that's a whole nother. Because they're going to be calling you in six months. Uh, so I think the biggest thing is talent is here, but I think people don't take a, they don't take advantage of things. There's so much talent here. And, um, you know, the, the, the question is how to build an economy around mm-hmm. that talent. And th- that's not just, you know, on the part of the students. Right. It's it's a whole community issue, I think, just as um, an agricultural economy, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. a, a locally grown food economy yeah. and is something that we have to, take, yeah. uh, have to take on. And that's one of the things that um, is in my mind and mm-hmm. I, that I'm constantly looking for solutions okay. for. Like, how can we create a viable arts economy so that our artists of all genres, music, uh, painting, writing, you know, all of it, can can make a decent living right. where they live without having to, you know, be a New York Times bestseller, right. you know, yeah. at the top of the music charts or any of that. Yeah. Just be at home and, and be and, creative and be creative yeah, and, and earn a living. Yeah, yeah. And I now, me personally, we we frequent Atlanta a lot, so we get a chance to talk to a lot of artists whether they're doing poetry um you know plays or whatever and one thing i constantly see with them and it's always a collective group of people whether it's 50 or 500 Mm -hmm. but they all support each other Mm -hmm. that is the biggest thing if somebody's having something they all gonna go to that and then if somebody's having something next week they're gonna go to that now that's the only thing i don't see here and then we get a lot of support from people who don't know us oh i heard about you all or um oh yeah i heard y'all had a great event they didn't come, but that what they would say, oh, I heard it was great. And right. so it's like, you know, they're talking about you, but you, you know, and I said, well, why you didn't come? Oh, well, you know, I wasn't doing anything, but I'm thinking, you know, and we try to keep stuff very reasonable because I went right. to events and I paid some money and I wanted my money back. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is what you, <laughs> right. <laughs> so with those events, the, you know, the kinds of events that you have here mm-hmm. that folks are, are, you know, know about. Right. But not necessarily, but not. They may necessarily not. Not participating exactly. in and stuff like that. So you have the Renaissance Connection mm-hmm. and the Renaissance Art Cafe. Tell me the difference. Now, Renaissance Connection, it was funny because it started out as a for-profit. Me and Boomi uh, decided, okay, we'll, you know, make this for-profit and we're going to make all this money and <laughs> that soon ceased. What happened, we started out, somebody asked us to do a, a art exhibit portrait reading at Albany State and we did that and that turned out to be really great. So then I noticed, I said, we can help other people. Let's do that. So uh, we we did have some success, you know, and some things that didn't go too well. So we did more outreach than we did. We were spending way more money than what we were making, mm-hmm. you know. So that's how that turned into a nonprofit. Okay. Uh, and then I know you know Sean Mulkey. He was uh, yes. actually um, my first artist that we actually promoted through Renaissance Connection. And, of course, you if you watched, him grow i mean he's phenomenal uh and we've he's actually moved to atlanta yeah he's in atlanta and he's doing he's traveling he's, doing, he's, he's traveling right all he's all over he art. was in paris and some other places he got a chance to go and so we started just 
really it became a nonprofit because we were really investing in other people. Uh, and then as today, um, we do jazz events. And of course, we find artists uh, who are authentic jazz. We get, we get a lot of flack because we get our uh, bands from here that say, well, you never asked us to do it. And it's not that we don't want to include them. It's just that we want to stay true to jazz. Mm -hmm. uh, because a lot of times you they'll say jazz event and you go in this R&B. Okay. So that's one of our principles. That's one of our things. When we when we choose a band that we and we check their background, we make sure we get references, we do all of that. Mm -hmm. So, but they give really gives them a chance to show their talent because some of these people don't get opportunities because they're not an R&B band. Right. So if they get asked to do an event, it's not it's few and far between. So mm -hmm. when we ask them, they're jumping on it. So, the, uh, so what do you do for them? You, you book we pay band? they yeah we pay we pay them to come. We have a budget of how much we're willing to pay a band, mm -hmm. uh, and we showcase them. And then we turn around and then we also have live art. Uh, where I that part comes from Renaissance Art Cafe. I actually sponsor an artist, so I'll get them to come and they do a live painting while the event is going on. And then I personally pay them wow. out of my business, so because I'm one of the sponsors. Uh, but we do that. We also do Children of the Dream art exhibit. That's with the Doherty County School System. Um, now, what we do with them is a little bit different because we don't give cash prizes. We give them art supplies. Okay. Uh, and we give them trophies, too. So we give them stuff they can use. I mean, everybody Absolutely. can use money, but sometimes the money don't necessarily go to the child. Right. Uh, you know, so and it's like, oh, yeah, good. I'm glad we made some money. But we know those art supplies, you know, unless they're doing something the else artist. with them. They're going to use them, and they're grateful for it. So we try to find stuff that, you know, can enhance the student, encourage them to go on to maybe go to an art school. And that's one of the things, my personal, one of my personal goals for the organization is to start doing scholarships. Wonderful. So if they enroll in the art school, we can give them some money to go towards that. And that competition is also uh, on display each year at yeah, the Civil it's a Rights traveling, Institute. Right. It's a traveling exhibit, and we normally have five different locations. Since we've opened um, Renaissance Art Cafe, we're the last stop. So usually we'll do it for the month of February here. And then, of course, the kids get the artwork after that to do. And actually, this past year, and I've still got to work out some kinks, we had so many people questioning, can I buy this work? Mm -hmm. So what I'm doing now, which is another thing to put on me, uh, is to uh, work with the school system and the parents and the students to see, okay, this child wants to, Somebody wants to buy their artwork. So, you know, of course, after talking to the parents, you know, it's okay to sell it. Uh, and I'm trying to figure out a way that I won't have to be totally in the middle of it, but I can kind mm -hmm. of direct them to. Yeah. Uh, but that's been a big thing now. They want to buy the students' that's work. That's wonderful. So I thought, okay, good. That's progress. Yeah, that is progress. So, and then, you know, the question never came up. We would display work, and one person asked, well, how much? what they sell this for because we don't really get them to put prices on it mm -hmm. so that's something we're looking at doing next year when they turn into work Could let's price let's help them price their work so there won't be any questions about it so if somebody sees it and it'll have the price at the bottom they know how much it costs and they can get in contact with that person fantastic yeah fantastic and so um the the connection does all that activity. yeah we do anything outreach related uh, we recently just did something with a group from Tallahassee called Home of Reads. They do their reading initiative, mm -hmm. and uh, they're trying to encourage uh, kids to read at home, read with the parents, uh, and they're doing a summer program. We we actually collaborated collaborated with them recently, where they come in uh, and they did a book bag, um, like a decorating party, where they could 
design their own little bag for the books and everything. And because it's an art-related thing, we thought that'll be good. So we anything art-related, Renaissance Connection will collaborate with. So um, we do that. And like I said, it was no money that we had to spend. It was no money that um, the person that came in had to spend. It was just a collaboration. So we do stuff like that often. Okay. And the cafe does... Cafe, my the Renaissance Art Cafe is for profit. It is a full service studio, art studio for people to come and paint. Mm -hmm. uh, and Renaissance Connection is housed within that. It was in within the facility. So, okay. uh, and we get that all the time. I get people come in and say, "Oh, I can paint for free." I'm like, "Well, not today." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, because we gotta keep these lights on and the air, I like air. Right. Uh, so, but it, it's become self sufficient, which I am blessed because i actually started out doing this mobile as a mobile business. i remember and it's actually i did that for four years and within that four-year period i just saved all my i just as a theme this is the money you must save you cannot go to cancun you cannot go <laughs> to jamaica you must save. so i made sure that i kept my money separate Fabulous. and uh in the process i thought okay if i move into a building i don't want to get a loan from a bank have to pay them back mm -hmm. and I said let me make sure when I move into this building I can sustain it so uh, and I'm grateful I'm very grateful to everybody that comes because that that's how we keep it going and I have a, uh, a I have one employee and then I have one person I contract out so and they, they get paid and that's part of my I don't get paid yet I'm waiting mm -hmm. but uh but as long as I can keep everything going I'm, I'm grateful for that but yeah we're definitely for profit Definitely a blessing. Definitely a blessing. So tell me about uh, the art parties. How do art parties work? Art parties work. Uh, and when I first started doing this, and I, I'm kind of, it's funny because I had to change my mindset when we got in the building. When I first started doing this, I had a requirement. You had to have at least 10 people. And that was all, that was really all about me. If I had to pack up, go to somebody's house, I didn't make sure it was worth me going. You mm -hmm. know, somebody wanted a couple's party. It was not, and it was just two people. Uh, like, maybe I can get you a little, put you a little basket together and maybe right. let you do it at home. But that was, and I pushed that constantly. And people said, well, I got six people. I got, I said, well, you got to get up for more people. And it actually pushed people to get more people, which I, That's I'm marketing really. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was my staple. You know, she'll do a party, but you got to have at least 10 people. So I, started out doing that and then if, i mean we've had parties up to 60 people so we've grown uh my first party actually had four people and they were four friends i would say we have always been supportive so when mm -hmm. those four people came i was grateful Wonderful. uh and it was funny because i look back okay i have four people and then we've had almost 60 people at a party so i look at the range of yes. it but now with the studio people would just walk off the street and come in so sometimes we get people that just walk by and say, what do y'all do and i tell them well can i paint and then we ring them up and they come on in here and paint so i had to change my mindset because i'm thinking groups it, i think it kind of shows you know how much creativity is just walking around in the city yeah waiting yeah. for you know just you know wanting to find a place for expression right right and you provided that place yeah and we we get that we get people i was just telling somebody the other day that I get a lot of uh, cancer survivors, people that mm -hmm. are dealing with, you know, um, multiple sclerosis, stuff like that. They'll come in when, you know, they can't really be around a whole lot of people, especially if they're trying to get back 
trying to get their immune system back. And they may come on a day we really don't have anybody here. Mm -hmm. And they will just be in heaven. It's like, oh, my God, I'll play the music they want to play. And That's it's so like, and, fantastic. yeah, and I had one lady, she's a friend of mine, and she said, I hate to say this, but I'm so glad nobody showed up besides <laughs> me. And I thought, wait now. She said, I just, the reason why I said it is because I've been dying to get out the house. And then I thought, if I go to the movies, there's going to be millions of people there. And if I go here, and she said, and I thought about you, and I said, she said, I can come paint. So she came and painted. Uh, and then we, you know, and it, that's fine. You know, I'm okay with that. You know, I don't try to, first it was kind of like, well, what are people at? Why nobody showing up? But then when that one person came and, and if I got a chance to talk to them and see what they were, what their life was going, because I, I didn't even know this person was even battling with uh, the problems they were having and they happened to share that with me. And I thought, wow, I'm glad I was able to provide this for them, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So what is, does that kind of feed into into your philosophy for how you grow your business? Yeah, because uh, I think the first thing people think, and, and I think people think that even now, what they say, well, oh, I know you're crowded every night. It's not every night. You know, sometimes we, now sometimes we can get crunk up. It could be three parties in one day. Mm -hmm. And I even have to tell my assistant, sometimes she'll be sitting in there and I have to find her something to do. And they say, well, nobody can. And then the next day we are, uh, She's barely able to walk out. Wow. And I said, you remember yesterday when you were complaining? And she said, oh, no. <laughs> so she's actually learned how to appreciate the time we don't really have a whole lot of, you know, my mind, I would love to have this place packed every day. Mm -hmm. But we've learned how to kind of balance. And we, we realize, too, that we're okay. You yes. know, it's, you know. Uh, and then, you know, I've had situations where I've had to come up with creative ideas and maybe get people to come in. Mm -hmm. I don't like doing gimmicks because, to me, that don't work but uh but i i may decide okay i'm gonna take five dollars off today and i may put that on facebook you may get a response you may not mm -hmm. or somebody sees it three days later right <laughs> when it's over <laughs> well can i come in and paint for twenty dollars okay that was three days ago <laughs> so so but i decided you know what just come in here cut the lights on turn on the music mm -hmm. and it'll be okay and let it fly. yeah that's fantastic. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to talk, too, about an, an activity that you used to have okay. um, previously. And you told me that um, it's not uh, actually functional right now, but it went on for about 10 years. Called yes. Girls Meet, Girls Meet Destiny. Yes. Tell us about that. Uh, Girls Meet Destiny was a mentoring program. It actually started from my church. I was the media coordinator at church. And... Um, we were, me and my sister started the uh, television ministry at church. And because our uncle is a um, TV producer, so he taught us how to do editing and stuff like that. So, and then we, our pastor wanted to get on TV, so we kind of learned how to do it so we can kind of maintain that. And then my sister kind of gradually moved out of that and do, did something else at church. And then I thought, okay, my whole mindset is developing people to do what you do, mm -hmm. you know, because I'm like, I don't know how long I'm going to be doing this. So, uh, and then I thought, well, most of the little girls at church, they either were on the praise team or they did like usher and some, I thought, well, maybe these kids don't want to do all that. Maybe they want to do something different. And so I, I actually scouted out some of the little girls at church. They always said, well, Miss Femi, show me what you do. And then I would show them. And then they started helping me in the media ministry, sell tapes and do stuff. And then I thought, well, why don't we try to do like a little mentoring program? And I think I saw somebody else doing something similar. And I thought, well, I'm going to try it and see if it works. And so they would come to church and I would, you know, tell them what we we're going to be doing. And, you know, they would kind of follow me. 
Now, some of them would not show any interest. They just really want to, you know, see what we were doing. Mm -hmm. And um, I started realizing, okay, we need to go past the church because we want to do stuff. Uh, we may want to go on a field trip and we may, and then a lot of the stuff at church would have to be church related. So mm -hmm. I said, well, I may just do this as a part of my, at the time we had Renaissance Connection. I said, well, I'll start this mentoring program. And so that's how it started. So I started out with like five little girls and of course they told somebody and then parents were bringing kids and um, And so that's how I wound up doing it. And my emphasis at the time, I worked uh, with the South of Georgia Project. They have a um, group called the Young Women Institute where they go to the Luke College in Mississippi. Mm -hmm. And I went, I was working with them for a while. Same kind of concept. I was teaching girls um, how to do video production. They had got me to do that. Uh, and then I said, well, I think I'm just going to do this, you know, mentoring program myself. So I, because I had been taught how to do uh, some other types of video production from a, a guy who actually is a TV director. And he taught me some here in town. Yeah, here. Well, he's actually from Connecticut, but the organization would have him come as well as go to the Tougaloo uh, Young Ladies Institute. Uh, they do it every time in July. So, um, so I met him years before that, and he kind of trained me on how to teach. Because I mean, they gave the kids Mac computers. I mean, it was really nice, awesome. and they still, for my understanding, they still do it. Mm -hmm. And so, all the stuff I learned from him, I thought, well, I need to do this myself, you know, because we only would do that with them for a certain amount of times. And uh, I, mine was a little bit more less expensive. I wasn't able to buy Mac computers for everybody, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I got all my girls a little bitty. Uh, this one, those little. They were like little handheld recorders, video recorders came out. Mm -hmm. And I think you put batteries in or something. I went to Best Buy. I never forget. I went to Best Buy and I bought $600 for free equipment. And my sister said, you really like these kids? Because she <laughs> said, you just spent $600. And I gave each one of them a little. And it was, I told them, this is, this is almost like a baby. You got to take care of it. But they would go and do little videos and bring them back. And we'll, I show them how to edit. And so, but what I was teaching them, which uh, one of the first things we taught them, we had a two or three day workshop. It was called the I Am Project. And they mm -hmm. had to get baby pictures because they were small already uh, and pictures of their family. And they had to tell stories about themselves. And they were thinking, I don't know what to say. I'm like, I said, what you like, what you don't like. And it made them think about it. And it was funny because all of them talked about their fathers. Wow, which we thought that was really weird. When we had a little, we had a little screen night because they mm -hmm. had been working on the videos, so we screened it that uh, the last night. And even one of the young ladies, uh, her father was killed, mm -hmm. um, and so that was kind of like wow. And but she talked about how she remembered the little time she had with her father. Mm -hmm. But that everybody talked about their fathers, and yeah, we thought even because it was, I think it was maybe two fathers there, but most of the mothers were there. Mm -hmm. And they were like, well, I didn't say anything about me. I said, well, you know, we didn't tell them what to say now. It was up to them. But it was funny that they all said something about their father. That's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. So you you had a real uh, therapeutic uh, process going on. So yeah, through, yeah. through a, something that they could learn and take into whatever, you know. Yeah, uh, and that was the goal. That they would that was the goal decide to do. Yeah, and actually at the time, there was no like because it's called digital storytelling there was no digital storytelling classes in school 
but they would have assignments where they had to go and do digital stores when you know they would say my teacher got me doing it i said well did she explain to you how to no she just told us you know we can look it up online and they knew how to do it because i had taught them how to do it uh and they had the advantages and then of course when they would do it their friends would say well how did you learn how to do that right, right. and they would say well i'm in a mentoring program and that's what we do because we i was special we specialize in multimedia stuff so we did PSAs, we did um, little short little videos, uh, and and the biggest thing I tried to get them to do, which we did a little bit of, but we didn't really go into full force, was social justice. Mm -hmm. Whatever was going on in the country, they had to know about. That was a big thing. You had to know what was going on. Wonderful. If we brought up something that was going on in politics and you had no clue, you know, my sister was the person that honed in on that one. Mm -hmm. You should know, you know, who's right. the president and who's blah, blah, blah. Uh, and we would use that as a platform for them. That was the only thing I regret we didn't go full force into. And that's something I want to do when I do it again. Okay. And you told me that these are now young women. Yeah, so they, are, they are grown. I told them, how did, <laughs> how did you all get grown? And I'm still the same age. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they're grown. They got children. And, that's so uh, amazing. And graduated from, from college and a couple married. So I'm like, oh, my God. Wow, so... So their second mommy was like really on top, on point. Yeah, yeah. They tell me all the time, uh, and their actual parents were. Oh, I don't know what I would. I'm so glad you. Or even if they get upset with them, they would always come and say, "Talk to your child." <laughs> and I'm like, "These are not my children." So, and I have very high expect. Matter of fact, one of them, uh, she got pregnant, and, and she didn't even want to tell me. Her grandmother um, had to come to me. I'm like. Well, did she think she was going to hide it from me? And I told her, and she's a very smart young lady. Mm -hmm. And I told her, okay, I, I expect you to have this baby and you need to be in school the next time I talk to you. Mm -hmm. And she's like, huh? I said, it's plenty of people go to school with kids. That's not an excuse. So she was so worried about what I was thinking. Right. Go to school because there's nothing else I can tell you at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and then her grandmother said, I think she cared more about what you thought than I did. <laughs> That's wonderful. So, so you transmitted a lot of value into these uh, who are now young women. Yeah, and I'm sure you still have. You know, there's some communication. Yeah, that still yeah, goes I, I on. still check on them. They, they don't. I tell them they don't check on me enough. But uh, most <laughs> of them do. I do have a couple of them that call me and just I just want. Usually they call them like, "What you want?" Mm -hmm. uh, but some of them just call or they'll see something on Facebook and they say, well, I saw you were, you know, in Atlanta or you were at the beach. I know you were having a good time. I was just, you know, calling to tell you, hey, or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, so, That's, I mean, I don't think you can ask very much more, uh, especially of a mentoring program. And it's such a great example of the kind of difference that you can make in, in lives, right. you know, that are around us. And so you created a community and that's fantastic. Yeah. And and the good thing is that there's more of that that goes on. Right. You know, even though Albany is known, uh, has been listed as one of the poorest cities right. in the country. But I think that the experience of being here for me is not like I'm living in the, mid in the midst of poverty. Mm. And I think that people like you and others in the community who, who fill in gaps, okay. um, really helped to make a huge difference because Albany is also one of the most philanthropic cities in the country. Hmm. And so people are giving. And so we right. have a giving economy that makes up for the financial right. things that lack mm -hmm. in the community. So we thank you. Thank I you. thank I, you. you I know, believe for being me one every of those. day I'm like, oh my God, am I going? 
you know, and now it's funny you say that because one of the biggest things, and, and I, my friends know me when I go out, I'm a dancer. So anybody know me, I love to dance. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> and I, you know, and I'm very conscious of when I'm out because I, I remember stuff I tell them, you know, I tell them, you know, don't have these rants on social media that you can't take back, you know, and then I have to remember that when I want to rant. <laughs> Uh, and then it's like, and my mom tells my time, well, that's, that's the mindset of a parent because you can't tell a child to do something and then you're not doing it because exactly. they're going to remind you, you exactly. told me not to do. So that's the biggest thing. So it, it's funny for me not to have kids. I'm always thinking, okay, I can't do that. You know, right. one, of my, right. one of my girls might see me. You're, you're carrying some African <laughs> values into, yeah. you know, because all the children belong to all the parents in African uh, society. So, at least in traditional African society, I'm right. not sure how things have evolved um, right today. And so, what are some of those values? You know, you talked about the experience, the, the really rich experience that you had with your parents, with, with so many people coming in and out, their values, their participation in the civil rights movement and that kind of thing. So, what are some of those values that, that you grew up with that, that you can articulate and uh, have stuck with you? I would probably say now one of the anybody that knows my father, of course, now he's I, I think he thinks he's a comedian, but he's not. But okay. anybody that knew him in the past would say, oh, your father. The one thing I can say about him, he was a quiet man. But when he really wanted to say something, you knew he just wouldn't be talking. He just when he's taught, everybody listened because they were like, OK, he doesn't normally talk. Mm -hmm. uh, so. He's always, both of them, my mom and my father, have always told us to speak up. You see something wrong, don't just sit there and just not do anything. Or taught us how to not complain. Mm -hmm. And I, that's one of my slight, one of my little pet peeves, because I get in my little, you know, whatever. Speak up, you know, when you know something is wrong, don't just sit there and not say anything. Because you're not saying anything, is just like agreeing to it. Mm -hmm. uh, and to, uh, And then know when to talk. You know, a lot of times, anybody that knows me, I'm a talker, too. I've been trying to figure out how you pay to do all this talking. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, I don't normally talk unless it's, in, unless it's something I really have to say. The talk for the sake of talking, that's a, that's an irritation to me. I'm just like, really? You know, mm -hmm. a really waste of air, waste of, you know, whatever. So they've always taught us to, uh, and to value other people. Mm -hmm. That was a big one. Um. Uh, like I said, they had friends that were, I mean, I, one of his friends, um, one of their friends, brother, he passed away about five years ago, Academy Award winning film director. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't know this. Okay. You know, it was like, he would say, oh, Glenn this and Glenn that. And, mm -hmm. and I thought, okay, I just knew him as Mr. Glenn, you mm -hmm. know. And then when he, um, his wife is a, a visual artist. And when he passed, to hear all these folk talking about him, mm -hmm. how great, because he, me and my sister did a documentary when I passed a couple of years ago, and we let him see it, and he gave us his critique on it, and, you know, it's like, this, wow. is, this is Uncle Glenn, you know, <laughs> this is just, and he told us what we should do next time, and how good, he was really, you know, glad it turned out well, and what he would suggest. Wow. And when he passed, and I saw these folk talking about him. I had to go Google him because I'm like, That's oh, amazing. my God. So just to know, I didn't realize he was like that. Mm -hmm. um, but, I mean, and he's a white guy. And my dad used to always say, I have some white brothers, you know. Mm -hmm. And I always thought, what does that mean? But these were men who felt like they had to say something. Okay. And, and that's something that he's taught us uh, to speak when you're supposed to. 
mm-hmm. whether you black or white. If you if it's something you know wrong, you should say something. Mm-hmm. So um, that's one of the days. And I and also like I said, um, care about other folks. You know, sometimes it's easy to have your own problems in your own life. You know, say, well, look, I got my own problems and mm-hmm. move on. Um, but they've always taught us that. And so, how have you added to those values as you've grown? Uh, probably my biggest thing is I have this thing, and it, even with the girls that I mentored, uh, I'll be honest with you, now some adults, I don't waste my time. I mean, not to say that they can't, uh, they're not teachable, but I see young people, and I'm always saying, you've got so much potential. You know, you could be doing this. And now they have no clue. They're sitting looking at me like, what is this lady talking about? So I, I have a, I constantly, you know, I have relatives like that. And I'm constantly telling them, you know, you can do this. You can do that. And, you know, it's easy for you to say, no, it's, it's I'm saying it because I know it's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So I try to use, I guess, my platform or whatever I, you want to call a status or whatever. To try to motivate folks to do more than what they're doing, mm-hmm. you know, because people sit around and complain, but they have no solutions. I'm like, solutions are so important. Uh, so that's my biggest thing. So I, you know, my parents were in a, a generation where they couldn't. Sometimes they couldn't say what they want to say because they could either gotten hurt or killed. I mean, I listened to my daddy telling me stories about how this man told him four ways how he was gonna kill him. So I'm oh, like. My. Yeah, and so uh, I'm like, woo, and he couldn't say anything. You know, he was all about nonviolence, but he said, look, if I got to get violent, I'm going to get violent. Right. So uh, so now, we, you know, you can pretty much say what you want to say or what you need to say or use a platform to say it. And that's what I try to tell young people. You all complain, but you're not using, you know, what you have. Y'all got mm-hmm. to the information generation. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't have to ask a question. And if you do, you can Google it. Uh, but it's, it's to me, it's no thirst for anything. It's just like, you know, it's like they're complacent. Um, you know, I'm, I, I'm listening to your, yeah. your concept. I, I see, um, and I'm not sure what age group you're talking about. Yeah, well, I, my, to me, it's probably young adults. I, I'm, I'm more able to be teachable to teenagers and because they still, for some reason, they want to know. They, they're curious. But it's like when they get to like 23, 20, they in this, I'm grown, you know, but they still not doing well, that's nothing. A, that's kind of a phase. Yeah, and I'm hoping, because I, I, I was totally different. And my mama will tell you, I'm, now she can say, when I left her house, when you know the famous line, if you can't live by my rules, when she said that, I left. So I've been gone from home since I was about 18. Mm-hmm. I never, I went back one time only because I had to, and believe me, I got out of there. So <laughs> But I've always been a go-getter because I just said I can't. Mm-hmm. There's certain stuff I'm not going to do. So I got to do this. Uh, and then and I try to come up with ways to help students, try to, you know, and young adults to try to advance. And, you know, they just say, well, I don't know if I can. I said, you, know, you don't know until you try it. Now, if you try it and it didn't work, I can leave you alone. But if you never try it, you don't know. That's, that's an interesting um, perspective because that's not um, – I don't really deal too much in that age group. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ones a little bit older, mm-hmm. you know, headed toward uh, 28 to 30 Okay, Those millennials, mm-hmm. they're amazing to me. 
They are absolutely amazing. I think that their mindset is is really transformational and mm-hmm. it's taken us in a different direction. The art that they produce, mm-hmm. the 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 in terms of films and, and oh, music yeah. and yeah. I mean, they are changing minds. They're changing right. our concepts of our own of our history mm-hmm. and what we're capable of. Right. This is the goddess generation. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? The the goddesses and the and the kings, you know, who right. who know that and who are who are again putting that information into our consciousness. So right. I, I love those. I love yeah, that. Yeah. I love and I think group. it's I think it's it's a generation of those kids, but it's not enough. It seems like the person that comes to me to ask for my help, and I guess maybe that's the kind of person I am, is a person that's just driving me crazy. And I guess if they didn't help, they wouldn't ask. But, and then I'll pour and try to, and then they'll just look at me. They may And you check. think that they're yeah. like it, but it, yeah. it's going And I'm in. hoping. I like, even with person. my girls, I thought, you know, they didn't listen to me. But that, they'll come back and tell me stuff I told them five years ago. I'm like, I said this. <laughs> I was so smart. <laughs> really? <laughs> so I, and I have to look at it that way. It's just that, you know, and, yeah. and that goes back to the poverty thing that you mentioned. Somebody come to me and ask me for an ask me for advice for idea, and whether I know them or not, or what they're capable capable of, I may give them some suggestions on. Well, oh, you could do this, you could do that. It may require them to either go to Albany Tech or you know, like you said, they may be able to go online, figure out how to do it. And the first thing they say is that's gonna take up too much of my time. <laughs> and I think. The time that you're not doing anything, because I right. mean, you're you know, it's so that's the only thing. The only problem I have is that this is like a microwave generation. They want stuff. They want. They they know. You use the word delayed gratification, and they're liable to curse you out. Wow. You know, and I know I had. If I could have done what I'm doing now, and that's the only thing I think I probably regret is I'm not doing this ten years ago. But I realized I was really sewing into somebody's life 10 years ago if I had started doing this now I don't even know where I would be mm-hmm. I had to realize that wasn't time for me to do that then you know because mm-hmm. I get people now oh, you should have been doing this 10 years ago first of all I still got some people who don't even know what paint parties are so I right. don't know if we would have been doing this 10 years ago mm-hmm. so it's like that's the only thing I don't see and I, I guess and I do see the artists that are just blowing it up and I I mean when I meet them whether I'm out of town whether I meet them around here and stuff and I get fascinated when I see, you know, artists really, and they say, well, I spend all my time painting and, you know, most folks say, oh, they need to get a life. I think that's great, especially they got the time to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's just that generation who, oh, I don't have a talent. You trust me. You got one. You just need to figure out what it is because they'll look at what I'm doing and want to do what I do. I said, but that may not be your, that may not be what you, the gift you've been given. You know, I think that that part of it is part of, the communities mm-hmm. that we've had before. Now we're, we're bl- blessed in my opinion to have a community that is such a large percentage black. Mm-hmm. And so they get to see, see a range of personalities, right. Uh, skills, right. And directions, which is what was one of the benefits of segregation at the time that mm-hmm. it was that, that all, you know, the doctors or lawyers, the, right, the they dentists, together, the, right. the car repair people, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. All the different professions were there and they had the opportunity to see all of that. Right. We're, even though we're here together, we live in a digital environment. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they don't actually get to see it in right. action as much. And so I think 
that that's part of the disconnect. There's okay, now I see you. I'm I'm close enough to you to actually see what you're doing. Right. And that's something that I can pattern myself after. Right. Whereas I'm not really seeing what other folks are doing. They're inside of a building. I don't see that. Right. You know? Yeah. And so so that may be part yeah. of the issue that that um that these young people are having. So with that what do you think are some of the issues that you see in family in Albany with, with families? Oh, um, I remember as a child having to sit down and eat with my father, my mother, my sister, even stuff I didn't want to eat. Mm -hmm. Like you're going to eat this before you go to bed type stuff. You know, mm -hmm. people laugh, but that was my life, especially somebody didn't want to eat. I'd sit there all night. And right. My we'll, son did that. Yeah, we'll sit here until you <laughs> eat it. I'm thinking, oh, my God. Then I wound up realizing it wasn't as bad as I thought it was, so I would eat it. So I know it, we live in this generation. People pick up food, bring it home. Child got something different. They got, you know, went to five different places to get five different things, and nobody's eating together. I think that changed a lot because you had to be in the, you had to listen to that person, mm -hmm. you know. My parents would be talking in that old saying about don't don't jump into grown people's business or blah blah blah. We had to live by that. You mm -hmm. you could have an opinion, but you just couldn't say it. You know, now some of these kids you could be talking and they'll be well, so what about so and so I'm thinking so you, you think that, how do you feel about their uh, chiming in adult conversation? It depends on what it is. You know, some stuff I've heard some kids say, I'm like, what? In the but, you know, if they got an opinion on something, if it's politics or some of that, yeah, I don't mind that. But some of the stuff, now some stuff I wouldn't even talk around a child in the first place. Right. That, that's the first thing. If I feel like it's something I don't want them to hear, I wouldn't even be carrying on a conversation. Because right. just like with us, somebody made a comment that when we were young, we knew we were poor. Because our parents were talk, talking about having to pay the light bill. Right, and we right, don't have enough right, to pay. Right. You know, but, you know, now parents don't tell kids a whole lot. They think everybody's rich. Like, no, we knew we were poor. But, uh, I mean, it depends on what the, what the topic is, you know. I think kids have opinions. And I think sometimes, and even in their opinions, they have to be developed. Because even with my art assistant, she's 26. And sometimes just by listening listening to her talk, I can tell what, what her environment is. Just mm -hmm. by her comments she makes, answers, if I ask her a question and she answers it, I can pretty much tell her about her environment. Um, so a lot of times what I try to tell people that and even when she's she likes to she likes to talk. So if somebody comes in and start asking her a bunch of questions, she'll just start and I said, You gotta learn how to listen. When somebody comes in, you need to listen to what they're asking you, and it doesn't mean you're supposed to say everything. Mm -hmm. And she was like, what do you mean? I said, when somebody, when I was young, it's called picking a person. Mm -hmm. I said, you have to learn that, you know, if, if you're in this building by yourself and I'm not here, and somebody comes in, so oh, wow, see, I got the lights on, you know, um, so how how often are you all opening? You're talking. Then you say something, like, yeah, but I'm normally here by myself from, you know, five mm -hmm. to eight. Oh, yeah. You know, my boss, she's gone or something. I said, you don't mm -hmm. think you should be telling a complete stranger that you're here by yourself? I said, because it sounds harmless, doesn't it? I'm like, yeah. I said, so you got to think. So when you're talking, I know you like to talk, but you got to think about what you're saying before you say it. And I know a lot of people, I used to be real bad. I just talk, 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 talk. I said, but as you get older, you got to learn. You, I, Somebody share something with you. You don't always have to come in. Just listen. The work that you do here demonstrates both how to take your art and make a li and earn a living 
and at the same time be socially responsible, oh, yeah. uh, social activists at the mm -hmm. same time, demonstrating how to enjoy yourself. We saw you at the jazz festival, yeah. we saw you at the beach, you know what I mean? So just really giving a holistic demonstration of life. And so I also like to promote families preserving and curating their histories. Yes. How do you do that and how important is that for you? Uh, I don't do it enough. Uh, actually, we have an uncle, the same one that's the, actually the TV producer. He has taken it upon himself. And he's probably going to start doing this for a living if he hadn't already. But he, he produces a book at our family reunions where he okay. actually, uh, matter of fact, I got it in the truck. I can let you see it. And he actually does this. He does it every, because we have our family reunion every two years. So once he does it every four, because mm -hmm. he normally have to go a year and then we don't do it. Uh, but he's been doing this probably for the last eight years. That's so uh, and my sister is a historian, if anybody knows her. So she's always trying to find information about family or somebody that may be related to us. Hoping that somehow we related to Gladys Knight, which that has not panned out. <laughs> I'm like, boom, really? Gladys Knight. So she went, she's from Georgia. I'm like, okay, boom. But uh, we now one thing I do want to do because I have a space and I've talked. I don't know if you've ever um, talked to Clinton King. Not yet. Okay, he's uh, one of the King kids. His father was CB King, and he's a. I mean, he's a real historian. I mean, he does documentaries and everything. Uh, but we recently talked to him. He did a documentary from Blakely, Georgia, about a, a man that got accused of killing a little girl and come to find out he didn't do it and. Uh, but he's known for doing historical things. And uh, one of the things he's been doing is collecting work, uh, whether it's artwork, be postcards, stuff from Albany. Mm -hmm. And I had sent him a message. Actually, I hadn't got a reply back. Is he still in Albany? Right? No, he's actually, he's upstate, but he comes back and forth because he mm -hmm. got all these different projects he's doing. But he's been traveling now doing the documentary to different schools and institutions and stuff. But I had reached out to him because I thought about all the stuff he's been buying stuff on eBay. Mm -hmm. He's been getting stuff from people, you know, families and preserving them. Something like that to maybe display that, you know, as an exhibit. Yeah. And then another thing I want to do, I don't know if you're familiar with, and the name is skipping me, I think it's Green is the last name, that actually built the bridge. Um, is it Horace? Horace King. Horace, it's King. Okay. I know it's Horace. I don't know. I'm thinking Green. But he was talking about that too the last time he came, mm -hmm. and he was he went over to the welcome center and he mentioned it to them and I don't know who's working, but he was a little upset because they knew nothing about it and he said, well, how is it that this is the welcome center and you didn't know who built because they got a, a statue of, of Tiff right in front of it, right? And the and the and the walkway out there, mm -hmm. those um, there are some like some pavers in the walkway, mm -hmm. some pavers that that show where the original bridge actually was. was okay and he went over and i think it didn't go as, as well because you know Ken, you pretty much know how he does he don't hold back so that sparked some of me you know we need to do some kind of i know if i can get my sister and it, it'll get done mm -hmm. something about that because yeah. it's right across the street from me i'm like okay nobody's giving any kind of homage to this person and exactly. he did the work you exactly. know and that's probably a long life black person anyway but uh and i'm thinking okay stuff like that so i try to use my building we did a, a kwanzaa festival well, not a festival but we did like a little market stuff like that so i'm always trying to find stuff that we can do whether it's bring some kind of historical value so that's something that i want to do too here you mm -hmm. know use this as an opportunity promoting you know 
Because the sad part is these kids don't know. They don't know. And and that's one of the things that it gets irritating. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the way the American society as a whole keeps, you know, mm -hmm. pounding the, the same points over and over. Right. But what they recognize is that there's always somebody who hasn't heard this information. Right. And there's always somebody coming of age who needs to know. Who needs to know. Passing on information. I mean, so and, to, and yeah. much as I used to hate sit there and listen to my daddy go on <laughs> and talk about stuff but I know I can re I know it now he can tell me something I can remember mm -hmm. but he was telling me that so I didn't forget you right. know because when he sees stuff that happened in uh, with Brown that got killed and there was, he said that's that's the same stuff they, these people just got names and they on TV and that stuff happened all the time and and nobody knew either nobody knew about it or they didn't care about it because he one thing he told me and I didn't think about it until he said it he said the thing that made Martin Luther King so powerful was he knew how to use media. Yes. He said when they saw how over there in England and all these other countries saw how horrible we were treated, he right. said that's why, because he talked about um, the amount of pressure that it Right, it, because the presidents, whoever was in office, couldn't take that kind of, mm -hmm. you know, because they, they cared about their reputation, you know. Mm -hmm. And some of them did stuff basically just to get the press off their back or whatever. And he was saying, now these kids could be really using social media. And I think they have for a lot, for, for the most, especially with the Black Lives Matters movement, they mm -hmm. used it. But he was just saying, you know, um, they really could really take it to a whole nother level from what we were. And then, we, you know, we were limited. Bottom line, we were limited on a lot of stuff we could do. He said, it seemed like we did a lot, but we were very limited. This generation is not limited. And he would say, you know, use it to your advantage. Don't get on that using it for foolishness. Use it to your advantage. So probably one thing I remember him saying, because I didn't think he knew anything about social media. Mm -hmm. That's definitely some good wisdom to take in and, yeah. and, and use that resource to the best degree that we can. And so I have just a couple more questions to ask you. These are things that are contributing to our being able to share with each other okay. how we manage uh, our families, how we manage our histories, and how we manage developing for our future. And so for you, what is a five-year vision for your business, for your Ooh, family? Five years. Okay. You know, I always got to do this by my age. I'm thinking, okay, how old will be? <laughs> <laughs> um... You know, the only thing I only regret I have, and I and it's not it's not I found when I saw uh Janet Jackson and Tamron Hall have babies at forty nine and fifty. So well it's not out of this question. Yeah. Uh that would probably be the only regret I have that I don't have any kids. Mm -hmm. Um and you know, my mom of course has been dying to be a grandparent for I don't know how long. I think mm -hmm. my father just gave up, but uh <laughs> Uh, but it's not out of the woods. I'm not out of the woods with it. So I do want to possibly get married and have a child. That's mm -hmm. one of my goals. And my business, I want to really advance it to a different level. I really want to get into, um, because the paint parties are great. The business itself, the whole industry itself, I had studied the industry before I went in. The industry had already been, already existed 10 years before I started, which means it's 15 years now. And this place is now, they sell out every night. Okay. Uh, you know, I don't know what their secret is, but they sell out every night. And I think it has a lot to do with the community. You know, they just want to support that person, I guess. Now, is it going to be always a form of entertainment? I think so. I think that won't change. But I want to 
increase what I'm doing at a whole nother level. I'm mm-hmm. real big on team building because uh, I work for a, a corporation also. And one of the biggest things that I see is a lose of morale. When you lose the morale of your employees, when they don't want to come to work, mm-hmm. when they don't, when they do get there, they don't care what they do. Mm-hmm. That's bad. That's bad for business. So the biggest thing I want to do is I try to figure out, okay, how can we use what I'm doing to reach corporations, you know, team building exercises, Mm -hmm. um, companies that, yeah. yeah, So that's my goal. And I want to do that above what I'm doing now, Mm -hmm. you know, because number one, I think it's more sustainable, you know, because girls not out can be great, but you know, the girls might want to go skating or go out to the club or, you know, but when you get somebody who's and that's and that only works if the organization or the company sees a need. I do talk to people all the time, whether it's Procter & Gamble plant managers or Millers, and I ask, you know, and they say, well, our, you know, our employees, they do what they want to do when they get off. I said, well, yeah, but this is something you can do, you know, if you want to really, community. you can do it while they're at work, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, and oh, I think about that because they have people, they have bosses that come in from out of town, they try to find them stuff to do. Uh, like Albany State, they're doing their alumni uh, meeting to get ready to do their alumni work. And they talked about how they go to these conferences and they can be some, some beautiful places. They can be on the beach, but they don't have anything to do. They said, we thought about a paint party. Really what I want to do, because I think that'll be more sustainable. And then also too, I always try to use art as a way to kind of help change the environment. So with the team building exercise, also, I never, you know, my sister says you should have been a motivational speaker because you can talk all day. I want to also use that. Me and her working on a piece. She wrote a book called You Are a Masterpiece. And I told her, I said, well, do you mind if I steal your title? And she thought, well, what are you going to do with my time? I said, well, I want to do a concept. And it's called You Are you are a Masterpiece to help people, whether it's self-esteem, whether they, you know, have issues with dealing with different stuff, how you can use art to realize that it can build your self-esteem. Absolutely. And, of course, she said, now, I am going to get a cut of this, right? So... <laughs> She's like, I know name like, wait now, wait. <laughs> but I, I told her what I was doing. She said, oh, okay, I, I like that. So, you know, doing stuff like that and going out talking to kids, whether it's, you know, little girls who think, oh, you know, my hair is nappy and I'm not, my hair is not straight. It's okay. Yes. You know, it's you're okay. You, right. You're beautiful. Just, you know, stuff like that. So I'm I always be thinking of ways to take it, you know, to another level versus just, being comfortable doing this absolutely yeah. very wonderful yeah so that's my five year and maybe do a franchise i've been asked about that do you want to you want franchise your business so we'll see okay, <laughs> okay. always thinking ahead yeah that's, yeah you got to you got gotta to. think ahead so think about this i'm going to ask you to think you know real far ahead in a minute but okay. before we go there if you had this is a, i call this the all, all power question oh okay you had absolute power Okay, such that anything that you say will happen. Hmm. What would be the one innovation that you would bring to Albany to improve Albany families? Ooh, let me think. Oh. Or to improve family culture in Albany. Okay. And I had all power. All power. Just say it and it happens. You know what? I'm going to say this and I'm thinking maybe it's going to come out of this. One of the biggest things, and I think I shared this a minute ago about having a child, and because of one of my 
and I, I'm probably, I don't know if I'm the only person to ever think about this, and it kind of brings me to tears, is that I don't have a seed. I could be sitting at home and I can say, I don't have a seed. I don't have anybody to pass this down mm-hmm. to in my mind. Mm-hmm. And then my sister say, well, you know, we got little cousins. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to leave them nothing. Cause they ain't oh, wow. to, to, I'm just being honest now. But what I would say is to bring a sense of responsibility from parents to a child to be able to leave them something. Mm-hmm. And they and the child appreciate it. I know, you know, one thing I and I used to see this is when I was younger, I would go into white owned places, whether it was a restaurant or whatever, and I would see this child. They could be at the cash register; they're not doing anything. They could be pressing the buttons, and I'm just going, "Hey, is that child?" Or I come up, "Hey, how can I help you?" At five and six, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they'll be standing with their parents, and they'll be taking right, my money right. and I thought that child understands I'm going to own this yeah so I'm going to do this this is that's why I'm asking you how and we don't do that mm-hmm. and I feel like just like being in that printing company with my daddy I ran around it like it was mine mm-hmm. I never thought I would go and get a pre so press degree yeah we and I and I think <laughs> when I got my I got my college degree in art he didn't go to my graduation he said he wanted to cook. He said, I'm going to stay on the cook. But when I got my pre-press, which is what he does, mm-hmm. oh, he was at graduation. And when I say he was the loudest person, <laughs> my sister said, I have never been so embarrassed in my life. <laughs> but he had so much pride in me doing that. Mm-hmm. He And I didn't realize it because I thought, well, this is just going to add to what I'm already doing. I can do this too and do that. But he was so happy. And I thought, wow, I didn't realize this is what made him happy. Mm-hmm. But if I could do that, I would want our kids to understand whether they doing the funeral home, daddy is electrician, you know, mm-hmm. see the value of what they're doing. And even if they looked at it and said, okay, I might not want to do exactly what I do, but I, how can I improve? Right. I got aunts and uncles that are master cookers. But I try to tell the kids, why don't you went to school for business? Why don't you try to help your parents open Legacy. a restaurant? Bill I don't want to do that. I'm like, they make cakes to make you want to hit somebody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's just like, they don't see it. And I'm, you know, I got this business and they, most of the time, they'll come down here to see me probably to ask for something. You know, that's how that goes. But they don't ask, well, can I come help? Or can I learn what you learn? Mm-hmm. Or how can I, how can I know what you're doing? And so that's why it grieves me when I know I don't have a child. Not to say that child gonna automatically do it, but I know I would I would probably instill in them, look, this is the family. This is how you got clothes. Right. Mm-hmm. This is what we're doing. Right. And if I have I would really have really would want them to have a mindset to love what their parents are doing. Or a family member whoever and want to you know, that parent so into that child and that child understands this is legacy. We're gonna continue and we're gonna keep this going. Understand. And see, that's that's my biggest, you know. And I, you know, people say, "Oh God, you're so dramatic." I mean, it's not, but I'm telling you, I remember because. And then these kids that I saw as young children, they are grown now, and they running their parents' business. Fantastic, and they millionaires. And so, so legacy, legacy is a thing. Yeah, legacy. Are. I mean, and and you know, and I think a lot of times too, a lot of the millennials say, "Oh, nobody's gonna do that." I'm like, your parent did that for thirty years. And got you through college. And, and if anything, you should have tried to figure out, well, how can I help my daddy? If he was an electrician and he had a problem with keeping his books, how can I help my daddy keep his books better? 
I can we're we... talking, I think you're talking a little bit about foresight. Yeah. And that's the thing I'm getting ready to ask you to have. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to your 70-year-old self? Ooh, oh my God. Why would I be fabulous at 70 though? I'm trying to... Okay, be fabulous. <laughs> All right. Well, my godmother is 70. Oh my God, how old is she? She's 72. And she just opened a bed and breakfast. Okay, so, so she's she retired, but she ain't retired. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was do like her. I mean, she has a fabulous life. She's lived. Uh, uh, she's been in corporate. She's done everything she wanted to do. Now she do what she likes to do. Uh, now you ask me, what would I say to this? What would I say to this? Mm-hmm. Okay. What advice would you give to your seventeen-year-old self? So probably to live. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to. You know, I see people say, "Well, retired. I'm wait till I'm sixty-five. I'm gonna retire." I want to retire at 55. Mm. I really want to retire at 50. Okay. That's my goal. Uh, my mentor, she actually retired at 54. Okay. And she took her kids through college. She paid for them to go to college. She she said that came from her knowing how to invest at an early age. Her parents taught her. Mm-hmm. She been taught she taught that as a child. She knew that. So I like having people around me like that. Mm-hmm. So when I ask them questions, then I know, oh, let me get back to you. She can tell me. Uh, so I want to retire early, and I want to do this. You know, I want to be able to. I want to go to the uh, jazz festival in St. Lucia. I ain't got to worry about asking AT and T, can I go? Mm-hmm. Um, stuff like that, because I turned that into a business. You so you're saying to, retire from your from your from work, my from yeah. Your job. I've been there 20 years, and I actually didn't think I was gonna make it 20. Mm-hmm. I just at that when when I was, but I don't know if I'm gonna be here. And it's and it's all because of advancement. It's nothing. We kind of at this plateau at the job and if you want to advance in the company you gotta leave okay. i mean that's been established and then they're going through a trans uh, kind of like a we got this 2020 uh campaign where landlines will be gone that's what they're saying but uh and then that's what we do so that's why i kind of started this and started other business five years ago because i was progressing to be able to do this mm-hmm. so when if, if they come in tomorrow and say i need your keys and your id right i can pass it to them and, go, and just walk them down the street uh <laughs> that's that's my goal but um but yeah i want to be able to retire from the from the and then enjoy and then, retirement and then fully and then do this as as my as my life okay because yeah. it's kind of like my after hours life it's like my after five okay okay <laughs> so yeah. awesome awesome so you're gonna tell your 70 year old self to just Live. Keep living, cause I, I didn't believe me when I was probably twenty. I couldn't imagine three and seventy, and then I look at my godmother, and she is. I mean, I, got, I mean, godmother. My my mom is sixty five. She loves Biloxi, so if, if she could move to Biloxi today, she probably would. But I got teachers who are seven, and they they are still they are living. Mm-hmm. You know, they going out of town. They doing stuff. They ain't sitting at home. They don't do a whole lot of babysitting, which, you know, I know that's not an advantage to their kids, but uh, they said they're still living life. So I will, I will be the same way. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. It has been an absolute pleasure having mm-hmm. this time. Thank you. you. Same here. I'm so happy we had this opportunity to do. I learned so much. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you for the work you do every day. And thank, thank you. you for the visions. And um, so that's it for this okay. episode of Blood and Spirit. Uh, y'all have a good day. That's what it's about, Blood and Spirit. <laughs>